Please turn with me in your scriptures to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to continue that message uh, that I started uh, a couple of weeks ago from Ephesians 4. I think it's, uh, and the odds are, especially seeing the time, the odds are we will, we will take time to finish this up next week before I decide to talk about Hanukkah. <clears throat> and for those of you who like to make fun of me, I now have my reading glasses on, which I hate. Okay. The emphasis that we focused on from the first part of this chapter was the emphasis of... Well, actually, I'm going to take it back. Let's just read the text. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, page 1,120 in the Congregational Tanakh. And I'm going to read through this section, starting from verse 1 down to verse uh, 10. It says, Therefore... I, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you were called, with complete humility and gentleness, with patience, putting up with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Ruach in the bond of Shalom. There is one body and one Ruach, just as you also were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one immersion, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace was given in keeping with the measure of Messiah's gift. Therefore, it says, when he went up on high, he led captive a troop of captives and gave gifts to his people. Now, what does he went up mean? Except that he first went down to the lower regions of the earth. The one who came down is the same one who went up far above all in all the heavens in order to fill all things. So what I want to begin with, it's just a reminder. This whole section is dealing with the fact that God has, has called us to be his community. In fact, the, the book of Ephesians is just full of this theme. All right? Community means generally more than one individual. Okay? I think I mentioned a couple of weeks, weeks ago the largest family unit, now the largest percentage of the Jewish community, that largest family unit size is a single. All right? Which is not good. Man was not created to be alone. And that's not just in terms of finding a spouse. We are not created to be loners. Some of you like to be alone more than other people, but God did not create us to be loners. We need community. We need one another, okay? And so this section is a section talking about the importance of being united, all right, and about the importance of community, but also as part of that, the fact that God has enabled us and gifted us in different ways in order to be effective together within community. And so what we talked about last time is the fact that God has given us gifts. When it says in the text here, gifts, the word that is used in the Greek is actually a word dealing with the spiritual gifts, spiritual enablements. And I talked about the fact that we all have different abilities, not just natural abilities. Some of you are just naturally good at stuff. Some of you are naturally not good at stuff. All right? You're not handy, for instance. Some of you are not handy. Some of you are very handy. Some of you are good at getting up and talking to people. Some of you would rather drink poison than get up and talk to people. Okay? I mean, we have different natural abilities, but spiritual gifts are specific enablements that God has given us to encourage the community, to help build up the community. That's what we talked about a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to revisit this in the new year. And try to, you know, I really would like to encourage us as a community to better understand and apply 
uh, this particular aspect of uh, the text within our community. But besides the special gifting, the special spiritual enablements that God has gifted us with as a community, God has also gifted us with a structure with leadership. All right? And that's what we're going to talk about today. All right? Our common calling as fellow believers in Messiah Yeshua together, our common calling brings with it a common responsibility to serve one another. All right? The service that we've talked about two weeks ago or so was the service of using those spiritual enablements within the community because those enablements are not to be used personally. They're not for you and you alone. You cannot even possibly know what they are unless you use them within community. All right? But what it demands is an attitude of service, an attitude of service, servanthood within the community. And uh, I want to read uh, an illustration, uh, something, uh, again, this message I, I gave several years ago. But I want to read this because it really accentuates the whole idea of service and serving another. It says, Franklin Roosevelt's closest, closest advisor during much of his presidency was a man named Harry Hopkins. During World War II, when his influence with Roosevelt was at its peak, Hopkins held no official cabinet position. Moreover, Hopkins' closeness to Roosevelt caused many to regard him as a shadowy, sinister figure. As a result, he was a major political liability to the president. A political foe once asked Roosevelt, why do you keep Hopkins so close to you? You surely realize that people distrust him and resent his influence. Roosevelt replied, Someday you may well be sitting here where I am now as President of the United States. And when you are, you'll be looking at that door over there and knowing that practically everybody who walks through it wants something out of you. You'll learn what a lonely job this is. And you'll discover the need for somebody like Harry Hopkins who asks for nothing except to serve you. Winston Churchill rated Hopkins as one of the, the half dozen most powerful men in the world in the early 1940s, and the sole source of Hopkins' power was his willingness to serve. Isn't that amazing? His willingness to serve, and to serve one individual. When we think about our lives, do we recognize and understand that the example for service was set by our Messiah, who came not to be served, but to serve? and to give his life. It's a constant theme throughout the biblical text. People serving people. Our entire faith, everything that's about us is not about programs and stuff. Everything about us is people and serving people. And actually the spiritual gifts, what's interesting is there seems to be a, at times a mis, misunderstanding. A lot of people look at the spiritual gifts and even what we're going to talk about in a minute as opportunities to have authority. <laughs> To have authority, you know? Now, you know, Yeshua is authority, but he served others. Most of the spiritual gifts, in fact, I'd say all the spiritual gifts, at their core, it's all about service. Service in different ways. Some of them more public, some of them less public. All of them are areas of service. And what makes a community effective is a community where individuals understand that the most important they can, thing they can do is serve one another. And so let's take a look at this text because I want us to, to get through uh, uh, the basic part of this text this, this morning. Verse 11. Verse 11. Paul says, He, God, Himself, gave some to be emissaries, 
some as prophets, some as proclaimers of the good news, and some as shepherds and teachers, for the purpose of equipping the Kedoshim for the work of service, for building up the body of Messiah. And I'm going to stop there. So here we have in these two verses a listing of these individuals. Now the first thing we see is the word, uh, and it says, he himself gave, okay, which is uh, consistent with an earlier statement in regards to the whole idea of gifting. You know, we need to understand that God has supernaturally gifted individuals to serve in some unique roles, all right? These positions, these roles, uh, emissary, and this is on your notes, emissaries, prophets, proclaimers, shepherds, teachers. People argue about shepherds, teachers all the time, all right? But the point is these are roles, but they're supernatural roles. And what is the purpose of these roles? It's not to go on TV and, and give a lot of appeals for money, okay? Not, not the role of the televangelist, all right? The role is to equip believers. A leader, a person, I'm going to put it like this, a person fulfilling these roles that God has given to the community, a person fulfilling these roles is a person that specifically has a burden to equip others to do what is the objective of the role. Take a look on your sheet. All right? Where it lists emissaries. Where it lists emissaries. I want you to write this. You guys have pens, pencils? Okay, write this down. An emissary is a sent one. Sent one. We say in Hebrew, shaliach. You know, Bob is responsible for the... He, loves, he says it in Yiddish. Shlechem. <laughs> Shlechem. But it's shlechim, okay? But in the Yiddish, it's a little different. But the Hebrew word shaliach is a sent one. It's an ambassador. The Israeli ambassador in Israel, they call him the shaliach from Israel to America. A sent one, all right? And the purpose is to establish new works where there wasn't a work before. Someone who fulfills this role within the community is somebody who is going out to do something new. We support uh, um, Shmuley. Uh, I don't know how we list them. But Shmuley Arnold uh, is starting a whole new work that didn't used to exist down in, uh, Argent- uh, down in um, uh, Brazil. He's a shaliach. He's being, he's being sent out. He felt the call. I remember all the years working with him when he was in Chicago. You know, he felt the call to do something unique. He didn't know exactly what to do. But he followed the leading that God had, and he took a step of faith to begin a whole new work, and God has made it happen. That is supernatural, folks. I have a friend of mine years ago. I haven't seen him in years. He was from Oklahoma. He was a welder from Oklahoma. He went to Moody with me. Nicest guy but I, I'm thinking, this guy's not the sharpest pencil in the box, just a, but really a nice guy. But he had a desire to go to Argentina and go to the Pampas, go to the south and into the, you know, away from the big cities in Argentina to share the gospel with a bunch of Argentinians. And he went down there, and I heard nothing for a decade, 15 years. <clears throat> and then I connected with him. He went down there, and out of absolutely nothing, he founded three or four congregations and an entire Bible school. <laughs> he is an emissary. He's a shaliach. He is fulfilling a unique role of going out where nothing existed and from the ground 
building something up. I mean, that's much of what we get it with joy around here. This very work is a, a work from the ground up. Okay, whether it's children's program, Club Maccabee, the Hadaric Youth Programs, all these things were things that just got started. All right. Now, what usually happens is God has this role. He raises people up. It's a gift to the believing community and obviously the unbelievers. Then you have prophets. Prophets are edifiers. Edifiers. Prophets are edifiers. Another word you can use is preachers. Preachers. Everybody thinks of prophets like Isaiah or Jeremiah. They think that primarily he's telling the future. That's much more, that's not really the main, the main idea. A prophet really is the guy getting up there challenging the community. Don't you hate people like that? Don't you hate people? Generally, the prophets are stoned. And it's not because they're smoking reefer. They are stoned to death because people don't like what they have to say. All right? It's a role. We need prophets, especially in our day. We need people that will tell people what the truth is when they're, when they're not living in, in accordance with the text. All right? Prophets preach, and they preach and they challenge. That's the role. They're edifiers, preachers, to challenge the people to greater spiritual goals and to avoid spiritual complacency. In our own day in America... There's a lot of tickling of the ears, unfortunately. We don't really want to be challenged in our complacency. In the old days, when we see this, you know, when you see in the New Testament, they would stone and kill the prophets. They didn't want to hear what they had to say. But God has a role. It's a spiritual role. It's a gift to the body of Messiah. People that will stand up and say, hey, guys, we need to be, do this different. Hey, guys, we need to be more consistent in our relationship with God. Our testimony needs to be stronger. There's sin in the house, you know. We need people like that. They're prophets. The next are proclaimers. Proclaimers. So you might say, uh, uh, in different translations, typically apostles, prophets, evangelists. All right? So proclaimers, evangelists. These are people, you can call them apologists. Apologists. And then apologizing. I apologize. No, I'm just kidding. All right. An apologist is somebody who is defending the faith. Defending. You know, we think of apologists, we think of, of evangelists often as people that are talking to unbelievers. But, you know, most apologists, what they really do is they write and produce materials and they teach so as to encourage the faith of the believers. It's a gift within the community. Maybe, maybe that's you. Maybe you're an apologist. I, you know, there, I, I know a couple of people. I mean, where they just like to study and learn so that they can encourage people with the veracity of our faith. We live in a day and age where, where everybody questions everything. Everything. I mean, there's no truth. You know, people like to poke holes in the biblical text. I was talking to this kid again in, uh, was at Stanford. You know, he's, he's brilliant. And he's surrounded by brilliant people. And, and, and what bothers him is that is too many believers have simplistic answers to complicated questions. We need to have sophisticated answers for sophisticated questions. I mean, we, you know, the world is a complicated thing. All right? By faith, we believe God created it. We can't move from that. If we think that the earth 
has been around forever, there's a problem because that's absolutely contradictory with the biblical text. All right? How you believe it came to be can, frankly, as we've talked about, could, you know, it's, it's kind of up in the air a little bit. You know, did it take God a while? Did he choose to take a long time or did he do it instantaneously? You know? I mean, either one, as long as you believe that God is the initiator, creator, and sustainer of this universe, it's an okay answer. But, but it's important to understand that there are people, and we need to value them, who are really trying to provide good, solid answers for what are difficult questions sometimes. Now, I'm still waiting for a good answer about uh, on limestone. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. You know, I'm looking for that. But, uh, but, but guys, this is a role in the community that we need to be grateful for. And maybe that's some role that you feel a burden about. That's something that really gets you moving. You love to be able to study so that you can defend the faith. That's a role needed within the community for our betterment as a community. And then, of course, the fact that these people tend to also interface with people that aren't believers in Yeshua. We need to really understand most people don't believe in Yeshua, like almost everybody. We have to interface with them. Some people are just uniquely gifted, and they encourage the whole congregation to move and to stay connected in that area as well. Too often we tend to just kind of circle the wagons and stay among ourselves. A person with this role in the congregation says, hey, what about those people? <laughs> what can we do to reach out to them? Let's invite them into the congregation. You know, that sort of thing. We need people like that. That's a role. It's a gift from God. And maybe, again, that's your role. That's your gift to our community. And then finally, shepherds, teachers. These are, and you can write it down, overseers, educators, training the believers to daily live out their faith with growing spiritual maturity. These are often congregational leaders. These are teachers within the community. These are schenim. These are elders within the community. Overseers, educators, training the believers to daily live out their life and their faith with growing spiritual maturity. Got to have these people. Got to have these people. Often, if you think about it, the emissaries are the people that are moving 1,000 miles an hour. <laughs> they got something that they want to go do, they feel a burden to do it, and boom, they're going. The prophets are usually people that uh, they can be a pain in the tush sometimes because of the things that they say. All right? Uh, the evangelists, often they're thinking outside the community. Often they're thinking outside the community. And they're trying to get the community to think outside the community. But the, the, uh, the uh, shepherds and the teachers, generally, they are thinking within the community. They are also slower, more on the plotting side of it. That's why you've got emissaries on one side. If you want to draw the, the, the grayscale, you've got the emissaries on one side, and you've got the uh, shepherds and teachers on the other. One tends to move faster. One tends to move slower. These are just general statements, but they're pretty accurate. The thing to understand is these are roles within a community God has blessed us with. We need to appreciate these roles and also understand, ask ourselves the questions, what, what role has God maybe burdened me with? What possible role has God called me to play? We think about spiritual gifts. I've heard a number of sermons on this particular passage. 
But you know what's interesting is, is too often this passage isn't really generally applied. We think of it, it's, it's almost like an elitism, you know, the, the, the couple of people that can fit into this. I don't think that's true. These are gifts to the community. These are roles that God is blessing the community with. No different than the spiritual enablements of administration and, and uh, faith and mercy. What is required? A willingness for people to serve. A willingness for people to serve. All right? That's what's required. To have an attitude like Harry Hopkins did with uh, the president of simply serving. Simply looking to equip and to encourage and facilitate the community in a particular way. You know, we're all so different, but that's the blessing of the body of Messiah. The whole idea of community is our differences allow us, really God works through it to, to, to uh, allow us to focus in different ways and different, in different uh, emphases. And with these four roles active within a congregation, the congregation is not only using spiritual gifts, but people are able to, to go beyond just uh, the community and its own little thing, but actually connect in, in different ways beyond it. All right? So I want to leave us with this thought, because we've got to conclude. But I want you to be thinking about these roles, not as someone else's thing, but wow, has God maybe given me a call? in terms of one of these roles? Is there something that's resonating here with me? Again, all this is based on the fact that if you are desiring to live your life for God and to follow Him with great passion, then these things will naturally become evident because the Spirit of God is in you to lead you and direct you and to use you for the building up of His kingdom. And, uh, and unfortunately, if you're not, then these won't be self-evident. But next week, we'll, we'll finish it up and we'll, uh, we'll kind of put a, uh, uh, a final challenge on it. But be thinking and praying about this over the course of the next week. Give consideration in regards to these roles and your spiritual enablements. See what God might lead and teach. Let's close in a word of prayer. God, we thank you so much for the truth of your word and the challenge of it. We thank you, God, for the fact that you desire to work through us. And the work is really nothing more than just the building up of your kingdom and, and the strengthening of one another. Help us, God, to really desire to strengthen one another. Help us, God, to desire to be a servant for you and for those around us. And we thank you, God, for our Messiah, Yeshua, who served us so effectively through his death, resurrection, and even now, ministering our, on our behalf. We pray all this in Yeshua's name.